Okay, I got you there. I could hear you. Could you hear me? Can you see me? Nice shirt. <laughs> of course, baby Yoda over here now. I'm Star Wars. I feel underdressed all of a sudden. So you're a big Star Wars fan? I'll fix my lighting. Um, of course. Of course. I'm 45. If I wasn't a big Star Wars fan, my mom must have trapped me in the basement during, you know, you don't have a choice. You got to be a big Star Wars fan. Do you have a favorite of the uh, saga? Well, everybody says this, right? Look, at I, I, this was, I didn't even plan this. It's just sitting here from this morning, right? <laughs> I think everybody's supposed to say Empire Strike Back. But you know what? Like, I love Empire Strikes Back, obviously. But I really do like the last two. Like, what is it? Eight and nine. I really did. I And I know there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there that are like, that's blasphemy and it was horrible. But I loved Luke's role in it. I love the storyline of it. I like the arc of all of the characters. I thought it I I thought it was really well done. I thought hey, there was some sideline stuff that we could have cut out, but I, I thought the Rise of Skywalker was excellent. I was thoroughly entertained. It moved so fast. How about when you thought that Chewbacca had got murdered by Ray? How horrible was that? This is what I'm saying. And that's why it was so uh, you know. I think that maybe, maybe they tried to do too much. Remember that, and I'm not even sure what episode this is in, so Star Wars fans out there, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> when they go to that plant, you know, that when they go to that girl's planet and they're racing those animals and they sort of have this epiphany about slavery and all of that, I'm like, guys, this was a hard push. You, like, shoved this in here to... to articulate something maybe that you could have done differently or taken more time with that particular world. But I think they just kind of rushed through it. Yeah. That was the last Jedi. It was a weird scene, the uh, casino scene, right? Mm -hmm. Which I thought was kind of cool because BB eight, like, you know, was doing his thing and funny as hell and cute and kind of like saved the scene, if you will. But yeah. uh, I, I did enjoy the uh, recent installment, I did happen to like the prequels. Did you like the prequels? In retrospect. So I think what happened was anybody who grew up on four, five, six, and then went and sat down at one, it was, it, it was a hard thing to sit through. And, and I think it's because as adults, we now, or I, I think a lot of people started to condemn or not condemn that's a strong word but started to reflect on the acting and when Liam Neeson delivers a line and you go oh what what was that or Ewan McGregor and I'm not and even Hayden Christensen who is a great actor in many different things and the lines for me felt short you realize that it's because George Lucas is meshing up the direction and maybe if he didn't do that right but I really like number three his transgression into that was pretty good. I could not agree more. I mean, I think the uh, dialogue that George Lucas like uh, presented for the uh, treatment of the screenplay was a little whack, but I do love what Hayden Christensen had done, especially in Revenge of the Sith, when uh, especially when Padme uh, tells him that she's pregnant. And he goes through like all these different emotions, you know, um, and then also the the transformation to Darth Vader when he's with the Emperor. Uh, I I think that he he was a great choice. Um, Adam Driver, obviously, as Kylo Ren, he's a man. And how about him and Ray together? He's right? Holy smokes, man! 
Well, it's funny because uh, I have two Star Wars quotes. So I have do or do not, there is no try right here. And then around my arm, I have, oh, so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. And I use that quote every year in my, well, as I'm teaching, because I'm like, we really have to be aware of how quickly we are going in real life, we are going to serve up power to people who would exploit it and use it for their own benefit. And then I talked to the kids about how this was sort of reflective of Hitler's rise to power and how, you know, the story was written. Um, so if they're not Star Wars fans, I, I at least give them enough propaganda to make them Star Wars fans by the end of the semester. Can I ask you, uh, I was going to actually go there next and thank you for going in that direction. You have a ton of tattoos. I when did you start getting tattooed? At 33. <laughs> Look, when I was growing up, my mom had two rules. No motorcycles, no tattoos. And so I didn't have a lot of rules growing up. Th these were two significant, like, you know, my mom was a nurse, so she worked nights a lot. I was home. Like, I had a lot of freedom. But these were the two rules driven home. And pretty much she had assured me that I was going to get, like, hepatitis or something from a tattoo, uh, and I was just going to die on the, on the motorcycle. And, and when I was 33, I said to her, I'd been drawing one and it's on my side and it says unlearn like my, my TikTok name. And it's a huge, it's, it's like this big on my ribs. <clears throat> and I've been drawing it for like a straight year, drawing it, redrawing it, redrawing it. And I, and at 33, I know it's going to be pathetic. Some people, I went to my mom and I said, this is the tattoo I want. She goes, where do you want to get it? And I told her a tattoo place downtown and she goes, can I come see it? And I said, sure. So the owner met my mom and he walked her through the sterilization process and the way they, and my mom loved it because she's a nurse and that she saw they used the same equipment as they did in the operating room. And she was, that's it. She was like, okay, no problem. So I got that one at 33. And then this kind of just all slid. So the bottom half of my arm, all movie and TV quotes. And that was about maybe six years ago. And that's when I met, um, there's a tattoo artist up here called, her name is Luisa Paracelli and she's out of DreamWorks Inc. And she's part owner of that shop. And that's how we were now great friends. And that's how we met. And it was great because I had this sort of planned out, you know, sort of as a landscape and I had it actually in my classroom at school I had painted it on the wall and I showed I, I said to her this is what I want to do and I met her we didn't even talk about it I said here are all the quotes this is kind of the idea and when I met her that next day she had put it in the exact same font I wanted it in but we hadn't even spoken about it I'm like well that's it we're best friends now so go ahead do the rest of my body what was the uh most painful spot you got a tattoo. <laughs> Bone. I, right? I could cry yeah. just talking about it. It's, I don't know, this, anything close to my elbow, but because the red and she really had to dig it in there, I, I don't know if it was tears, actually. It was probably going to be, I was going to throw up quicker than anything else. And then this was pretty horrible, too. Anything when you go over it again, anybody who has tattoos knows it's not the initial run through. That's the problem. It's when the tattoo artist says, I'm just going to use a little bit of white and you want to punch him in the face because it's the <laughs> overlay, right? So like Dorothy has uh, this, I don't know if you can see that. This is a oh, bank yeah. piece, right? And Dorothy has red slippers. 
It's like the tiny. Okay. Let's describe this to the uh, people that might be listening on radio because that is a badass tattoo. Can we describe that? Absolutely. So my whole left arm are all Banksy and Basquiat pieces kind of mixed together in in sort of a storytelling kind of way. So Banksy, for those who don't know, is a relatively famous tattoo, uh, sorry, um, graffiti artist out of London. Nobody knows who he is. They just know him as Banksy. And most for people who are listening, they might know of his piece with the little girl holding the red balloon as it floats away. And it was sold because he doesn't like his art being sold. His idea of art is all about taking back public space and art being free and all of this kind of thing. And he doesn't like gatekeepers of art telling who who is an artist and who isn't. So this piece got sold in a very famous sort of auction in London for like 1.2 million pounds, which is like two and a half million dollars. And as it sold, as the gavel went down, Banksy had donated it in a frame. I'm assuming he was there and you could see a button, like you could see that somebody in the audience pressed a button and this thing fell through and started to get shredded. And that was his protest about somebody just paid this insane amount of money, which you don't do that. Anyway, so he's very political. The piece on my arm is Dorothy um, carrying her basket, and she's being interrogated by a very militaristic looking individual. He's looking through her basket and sort of, and I think for me, and, and these pieces mean so many different things for so many different people. But for me, it's just this, this idea of, of innocence meeting this hyper level of policing and an invasion into our privacy in order to catch us doing something that we, you know, haven't even come close to doing yet it is, it's their job to keep us safe. And in doing so, they kind of break all these rules of democracy and things that we hold so dear. I, I love the concept. And the reason why I ask is it reminds me of one that I have here again, for the listeners on radio, you can't, see what i'm showing you right now but i have a gentleman versus the devil okay so i'm a boxer i'm a mixed martial artist i like to uh have some fun and fight and uh i'm a peaceful guy but at the end of the day it's like we all have trials and tribulations that we go through in life so this right here is a reminder of that okay about you know uh the gentleman versus the devil and and the conflicting battles that go through that and i think tattoos have to have a very meaningful presence right like they have to represent something right like some people just get like stupid shit tattooed on them and you're like man what is this do you have any bad tattoos i wouldn't sit through that pain for that that's not true I'm going to admit to one, but we'll skip. Uh -oh, right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> don't spend too much time in that sort of. So I, I was married. Uh, yes. And so uh, for those who can't see it again on radio, I have a really bad heartbeat line on my ring finger that I am in the process of getting it removed. <clears throat> First of all, it's a bad tattoo. And it's not just a bad tattoo because it was done poorly. It's just it couldn't be more typical. You know what I mean? It just couldn't be more generic. And I, I am my soul. I'm against generic things. So the fact that I ever got it in the first place, but speaking of the gentleman versus the death, like now I'm going through the process of getting this thing off 
And damn, if I didn't learn my lesson after the divorce, uh, trust me, it, this is a physical representation of learning. So you're getting it actually physically removed or you, yeah. are you not covered up? Have you ever done a cover up? Uh, yes. So same issue. I had a right here. You see this blotch? It kind of goes with my whole arm anyways. Yeah. But there were very small initials. We just blotted that out. And so do you have like all your arms done or do you have anywhere yeah. else done? So, so my uh, my upper arm are all underwater. I'm, I'm a, I love scuba diving. I love marine animals. I was going to so say, is that Shamu? That's that's an orca, yeah. And then I have a, a a jellyfish here. I have a great white. I love sharks. My favorite movie is Jaws. And then I have a, a humpback whale with a little boater up there, all in the back of my arm. And then this whole arm is all Banksy pieces. And Basquiat, there's the famous like throwing the bouquet of of whatever flowers you know that banksy piece mm -hmm. um and this is probably my most favorite piece to talk about so it's the mona lisa and she's literally painting over herself and looking at the mona lisa is this older woman and she even has like an old headset on you can see i love the detail here it's like a cassette player that you would get if you were walking through the louvre or something so you could listen to it as you walk from piece to piece and what i love about this because i know this is his sort of reason for doing a lot of his art is this notion that pieces like the Mona Lisa we get to decide that's art somebody gets to decide well that that's what it is and, and she has this whole room dedicated for herself in the Louvre yet when the Mona Lisa was painted da Vinci's Italian no, nobody ever talks about why the Mona Lisa is in France well because the Italians thought he sucked they said, we don't, you're garbage. You're not an, you're not an artist. Get out of here. So what does he do? He goes to, and all of a sudden it's hanging there because somebody there decided, right? And at some point somebody will decide something, you know, it's all this sort of evolution of art, but there's always people with money and power sitting back saying, what deserves to hang where, you know? That is a beautiful tattoo. Um, how long did you sit in the chair for that? Every time I go. I, I love Lou at the beginning and I hate her at the end. I sit for about six to seven hours. Shit. Straight I, up? No breaks? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we'll break for lunch. Okay. You know, but but I think I'm getting, because as you get older, I think your pain, your pain tolerance for a long duration is minimized. So it lowers, I, yes. I kind of feel like I tap out around five, five and a half hours. Um, but that's, Still, the way that, that's, that's a long time to sit there. And yeah. that is a beautiful piece for those that are viewing it, uh, you know, via video on this show. Look at that thing. She I mean, that job. is the Mona Lisa, man. Like, She's an amazing tattooist. Just like, and it's not just that she, like, she put these pieces together. So these are very separate pieces. Uh, Banksy did them very separately and she, and we talked a lot about the idea behind it and she wanted to sort of amalgamate it. And she initially, because it's Banksy, he's like, he's very much do what you want with it. It's not, it doesn't need to be my property. I don't need to own it, which I love. You might like this, this right here. Can you see this? So yes. we actually played tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe. Yep. That was good times. 
I, I tell you what, portraits are, are very difficult. I've seen friends, unfortunately, get some really bad ones. And you just like kind of like do that thing when they're like, hey, what do you think? And you're like, uh, mm -mm. but you're kind of like, ah, it looks good. But, you know, it's Fantastic. not good. <laughs> so whatever you got, guys out there listening and ladies out there listening, um, whenever you get a portrait tattoo, do your research. You get what you pay for. Let's face facts, right? You get what you pay for. But um, in, in the meantime, too, I want to catch up with you, Joanna, about, like, what have you been doing to uh, pacify the time? The world is kind of back to normal. Um, how you feeling? What's going on? Well, Ontario, we're a little slow. So you got the U.S., you all went back into it full steam ahead. You got in and... Whereas Ontario, we're just literally right now, uh, as of Wednesday, we can get haircuts. Holy shit. So, yeah. So we're not quite back in the swing of things. Everything that is open right now is open at 15% capacity. So if you were to go to Costco or whatever, there's only 15, whatever the full amount is, there's only 15% allowed in the store at that time. So we're not quite there yet. I mean, it feels a lot better. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. I finished out the school year. We did everything. We stayed online the entire time. So I haven't quite experienced the back full swing. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I spent, I, I, dude, I spent a lot of time on TikTok. I'm not going to lie. I spent a lot of time sort of creating content and coming up with ideas and, and trying to figure out, you know, where this can go and how, you know, how I can, how I can get out serious messages, but not be serious all the time. Cause nobody wants to be in that space all the time. So I spent a lot of time. Can, can we talk about uh, a couple things I'm going to ask sure. you here. I'll start with one, the TikTok. Tell us about the TikTok. Well, I, like I said, I started about a year ago. So I, I went through a separation and then a divorce and I, I did a lot of soul searching and not because I'm particularly you know good at that because I think I obviously sucked at it for quite a long period of time but COVID made you you had two choices you deal with your own crap or bad thing you know what I mean you're you're just alone with your thoughts so I spent a lot of time I had a lot of amazing friends that I that I spoke to I went to therapy I did it everything and when I finally started feeling more of me I was looking at TikTok and I had students tell me to go on TikTok forever, but they would show me, not that it's not a fun side of TikTok, but I'm not dancing. Let me just put it that way. That's not in my wheelhouse. So when they show me these TikToks, I'm like, that's nice. I don't understand what it is. And then when I was trapped in my house and I started to feel better and I wanted some sort of outlet and some sort of social connection, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let's give it a go. And, and that was it. Um, I started doing, you know, the lip sync, the boy band, the whatever. I had a, I had a solid wink going on. Um, and, and then it just sort of slowly transpired into the things that I was passionate about. And I realized that the community and the engagement on this app is amazing. Like, can I give you one story? I'll give you a, a Absolutely. quick Absolutely. Please about. do. Please do. So my mom had gone through this whole year has been insane. She, she found out that she had cancer, went through the whole chemo thing, got out. She had her bladder. She's on the mend. So I'm telling you, it's like, 
trials and tribulations, but on the men story. Um, and when she was going through all this, one particular moment when it was pretty, pretty horrific, we had to take her back to emerge and we had a paramedic who changed everything for her. I feel like he didn't do anything medically. He was there at the hospital and just helped her get out of the car. Cause I couldn't lift her out of the car and his compassion and caring for my mom changed the way that I saw it. And my mom felt empowered by it. And then when I was done, I didn't know his name, right? Cause it just happened so fast. And so I went to TikTok and I went to TikTok. I told the story. I said, guys, I need to, I need to find him. Within one day, we found out where he was, what his name was. He was a paramedic. I was put in contact with him. I asked if I, it was okay to, you know, his name's Adam to say his name. And to, I said, I might have something kind of special planned. Are you okay? He said, sure, sure. He goes, but if you could just talk to my captain, that would be amazing. I'm like, oh, that's the least I'm going to do. And then I reached out to TikTok again. The TikTok community within one day, now he donated a lot of it because any monetary gifts, you can't accept those or whatever. Um, my TikTok community raised $700 within one live. Um, they, I had people drive cupcakes that because they have a bakery from two hours away to drop them off because I was going to go meet with him to present him with all drove superhero cupcakes with his own cupcake made for him. I had people make him a mug and drive from another two hours away. I had um, sports, sports check, which is a sporting store up here. I don't know if you guys have it. Um, I was trying to find one of those Yeti coolers because I wanted to actually just purchase something for him to have. And he's a big camper and cottage guy. And I know that those are a big thing. And they helped me track it down even amidst the store actually being closed and I couldn't go in. Um, the Leafs that now in all fairness, I know we lose all the time, but the Toronto Maple Leafs reached out within 24 hours. They sent me a, a Jersey. Wow. To me, that's what this app does. It that, was, that, that's absolutely incredible and, and well-deserved. I mean, you know, uh, during this time of COVID, um, I've had the benefit and luxury as well of having some great satisfaction of doing TV shows, movies, a lot of um, interviews, meeting great people such as yourself. And, you know, you got to find a way during duress to find a situation where you could like persevere, um, how you could take your time to do something. And you certainly did that. Like, and, and that's a remarkable thing. Like, I mean, hats off to you i mean that's got to feel wonderful and i know that you're also a teacher uh do you want to talk about that a little bit sure yeah yeah i feel i feel like i didn't do much i feel like i just mentioned it and then the community just took off with it um yeah i've been a teacher for almost 20 years i teach at a, a very small private high school in toronto and i and I say that because I do a lot of social justice stuff and I speak a lot about teachers, but I speak about teachers within our public system, um, which has taken a lot of economic uh, hits lately. And um, I work in an amazing school, not very, not at all like sort of the typical elitist kind of private school. We have no uniforms. They call us by our first names. Um, it's a small school. I don't, it's alternative in a way, just in the way in which we interact. We have very small class sizes, um, very much 
if if you have if you if you want to accomplish something if there's some if you have a goal and this is the the vehicle for getting you there then we're going to help figure out how to get you there so we specialize a lot um yeah so i've worked there my whole career i love that idea of the vehicle of about enabling someone to be an individual very very important especially in you know today's times um you know, finding their identity, uh, reaching out, have an affirmation, right? Like knowing you could go someplace and knowing that what you're going to do is in the best interest of yourself. And then also learning, you know, um, let's face facts, great wisdom of life, you know, especially nowadays, man. I mean, things were crazy over the past year. Um, luckily, my family has remained safe. H how's your family been? Yes, uh, you know, uh, from COVID, absolutely. We're all, I, yep. I'm now double vaxxed. My girlfriend is. My mom's still waiting because she has to wait a little bit. But my family, for the most part, has all been vaccinated. Very, very lucky when it comes to that. I think with my mom and what she had to go through, I started seeing all of those cracks in the system whereby it wasn't just about people getting COVID and the strain in our system, but, but, when you have those people there and then you have no ICU beds left, you have no space left so that everybody else who has a heart attack or a car accident, you're fighting cancer. All of a sudden they don't have places to go anymore. And I, you know, I had to very much, I don't, I don't know if I would have understood it if I didn't experience it. Right. If you don't go into emerge and you see, well, half, half or three quarters of emerge is taken up by people who think they have COVID. If there's a car accident, that guy can't come here. He has to go further, you know, and then you start seeing those ramifications and ripple effects. So I'm thankful that my mm -hmm. mom went through what she went through, but managed to be taken care of, um, you know, and I, and I sometimes feel as though it's lucky because it was like she, she did everything just before, especially that third wave hit, um, because I know people that weren't as lucky, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I've been with my wife for uh, seven years. How long have you been with your girlfriend for now? Just over a year. And how excellent is it to have someone during these times? I mean, people. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Right. And, I mean, it, it will save your fucking life. <laughs> Let's well, face facts. My family, my friends, my girl, like my girlfriend, everybody is just like. Yeah, it, there, there's no way around that, you know? And when I go on TikTok sometimes and I do a lot of lives because I like the interaction, I forget. Yeah. I, it is easy to forget how many people don't have that. How many people don't have those connections? And they had to go through all of this absolutely alone, yeah. you know? Or And, and again... I am grateful and thankful for what, what I have. I don't know how I would have done it any other way, but, but the fact that so many Canadians in America, well, everybody has been able to, has had to go through all of this in complete solitude. Yeah, it's, it's different over there, right? It's uh, a little bit more controlled. They, um, they're, they're under a significant duress still. It's still happening there. Right. It, like we're coming out so we have a high vaccination rate we have very low cases now so we're definitely coming out um i just think because we weren't producing our own vaccinations because we didn't have them as quick as we could have had them and i think 
it was a trade-off, right? It, you, you want businesses to go, but as soon as you open up more businesses, the numbers go up and you need to find this balance. I wasn't particularly happy with the way the Ontario government handled it. Um, but at this point, you know, we're at 70% or something like that with their first vaccination. Okay. So everything's rolling, you know, the way it's supposed to be. It. Yeah, it's getting, it seems like it's getting back uh, on track for a lot of people. I mean, in Vegas right now, for those that are listening, I mean, Vegas is pretty much open. There are no fucks given. People are just going crazy. I mean, I always recommend wash your hands. I've been doing that since day one. Uh, you know, mask up in certain situations, certain scenarios, especially if a business, you know, requires it or asks it. I mean, just play along to the protocol, you know, like do do what exactly just do the protocol do do what's going to keep your your family safe do what's going to keep you safe do what's going to keep everyone safe around you um so you're talking about canada i heard you say out and about out. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about canada first of all i am a huge rush fan okay all right talk to me about <laughs> rush in canada well, I mean, it's it is pretty it is pretty big, but it's funny. It's of a certain age demographic, right? So, okay. like, I, I don't know how old you are. It's probably just a little bit above me, a, a little bit older than me, I would say. But if you're Canadian, you know who Rush is at the very least, and you honor that with respect. I think probably I'm more of a tragically hip age. So uh, Gore, da Gore Downey and the tragedy yep, I'm probably from that era. I'm not the Justin Bieber age, but I'm kind of from that. <laughs> and how old are you? I'm 42. 45. Oh, Jesus. No. I swear. I know I... My, my followers do the same thing. Hun, I would never lie up. That would just be stupid. Why? <laughs> Why? There's no way you're older than I am. I swear. Wow. Well, I got to give you a pat on the back. I, what, what do you do to keep yourself uh, well put together like this? <laughs> Canadian. It's our free healthcare. care. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that's 100 percent. Rush is one of my favorite bands of all time. Whenever I think of Toronto, uh, Canada, Neil Peart, you know, rest his soul. One of the greatest drummers of all time. What kind of music do you like? Yeah, you're, you're going to be. I'm. <sighs> I like the lyrics, so I'm all about the lyrics. I, I can't sing. I can't play anything, so don't even, not even, not a, not even, I'm not being modest. It's not one of those things. My mom tells me I can't sing. That's how bad I am. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big, like, I'm, I, I love Pink. I like Melissa Etheridge. Amanda Marshall, she's Canadian. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. I like songs with depth. I love, I grew up in the eighties. So any of those strong love ballads, I'm there. Um, How about Pat Benatar? Pat Benatar. I oh. saw her not too long ago. <laughs> not too long ago. Those kind of like, it's funny. Cause she told a story about how much she hates, hates love is a battlefield. Like to her core. It's she's like, it's the worst piece of garbage I've ever written. She doesn't like the song, like, huh? You got to be careful what you write early in your career because that's what you're going to be known for. And you're going to have to play it every concert you ever do for the rest of your life. And I'm like, I feel like there's a lesson in there, not just for, you know, musicians. Be careful what you become famous for. You know what I love from her? Uh, my favorite one is Invincible. Um, yes. When I was a boxer, I used to come out to uh, an amateur fighter 
that that was a song I used to come out to. It used to get me so amped up That's because amazing. oh she she is such a badass man. Um, love her to death. Big eighties fan. Uh, love Toto. Love Boston. Love Chicago. Oh. Uh, dude. There's eighties music I I don't love to be honest. Like I really do. I pretty much embrace all of it. Um, and again, it's very music for me because I'm not a musician because I don't. Music is very linked to memory. So if I throw in a song and I feel good, the song artistically might not be the best, but it doesn't matter because I'm still going to, you know. It's the feeling of sensation. It, it's yeah. how it makes you feel. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big prog rock guy. Like, obviously, I love Rush, Tool, bands like that. Uh, they they give different sensations, but there's also simplicity in music that is just wonderful, so brilliant, so beautiful. Like I was mentioning, like Pat Benatar. I mean, I'm a huge Madonna fan from the '80s, man. Like I loved her work. I the the thing about and I mean that's I mean I grew up on Madonna. So and and the thing that I've always always loved about her is how a I never thought she was full of it. Right? She would just tell you exactly how she felt exactly. And she was always just one step ahead. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you watch her and then you watch culture shift and it's like, she's right there. She's just one fraction of step ahead. And uh, as a businesswoman, cause she, she'd say, I'm not a great singer guys. I'm not a great dancer. That's not what I'm selling here. I'm selling some sort of catharsis. I'm selling the culture of the day and the things I don't like and the things that I strive against. I was just talking to my friend the other day about her, like a virgin, um, like a prayer, right? With the, with the black Jesus and that video. Oh, great video. Great song. So everybody's condemning little Nas X for his very, you know, oh my God, how could he dare? I'm like, did anybody, did, do we just forget 30 years ago? Cause not that I, I love, I love what he did, but it's, Madonna did it. Madonna pretended to have sex with a black Jesus. That's what she did in that video. Like, so it's, she's already been there. She's, it's like, it's already been packaged. It's already been done. Nobody's pushing a new envelope, you know? And I find and, that interesting too. And, and so we could also face facts here. And uh, I'm sorry if I'm too forward on this. Madonna is very hot. <laughs> yeah, well, look. It, she is, and, and I think her hotness comes down to her attitude. Yep, because she has no fucks given. None. No. No. She just she throws herself did. out there. Yep. And she never did. And because now, when she's worth six hundred million dollars, you could say, "Oh, sure, now she doesn't care." But no, 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 no. She built an empire on literally looking labels. And I remember she came to Toronto. They told her she couldn't do a certain scene on our stage and she said sure don't worry about it i won't and she went out and did it and then she couldn't come back to toronto for years she goes well i wasn't those fans came to see my show you want to kick me out you want to arrest me okay have a good time she did it anyway she's a badass and that's that's the pioneers like i mean if we look at like you know historically we're talking about music right now pioneers jimmy hendrix kurt cobain you know the list goes on and on jim morrison madonna you know a lot of people that you know push the envelope of doing greatness and and going out there and making their mark and and being something different and separating themselves from everyone else i mean I don't know if necessarily 
these people did that on purpose. I think that's just who they are. Would you agree with that? I think so. Because I think if it wasn't and and it's not only who they it's not just who they are. It's like if they if they could contain it, they probably would have. You know what I mean? Because I don't think initially they would think this is going to be good for my career or this is going to be good move when I walk into a room with executives and give them the finger like this probably won't play well but I can't I can't help it and I often joke with people like you know because I I tend to be political I tend to have my opinion and I'm like listen I promise I'll never walk into a room and start a fight ever I'll never put something super controversial on the table especially with new people or whatever I'll come in, I'll talk about Star Wars, I'll talk about something. (laughs) Having said that, if you bring it to my table and you give, then that's it. I can't, I can't stop it. I can't swallow it, right? You come at me with, you know, well, this kind of whatever, I can't stand it. Well, now, now we're going to have to fight about it. Sorry, I can't. I couldn't swallow it if I wanted to. And it doesn't always serve me well. <laughs> well, well, I got to ask you a question because you have wonderful hair. Okay. What, what kind of product do you use for that? Uh, for the I listeners use, right now, her hair is tremendous. I, I use a product from my barber and it's, it's called Gambit. And he's just about to put it on, on Amazon. It's not even on Amazon. They manufacture it. It's called the Gambit and that's it. It's from a barber in Woodbridge, which is a, uh, sort of a suburb of Toronto. Um, it's just a paste. It's like a low gloss, kind of a thicker white paste. Um, not not too greasy, right? But not super hard either. You see that that nice middle of the road. And so that holds up like the whole day, no problem. Absolutely. I was out in the rain today because I was helping the cable guy um, set up new internet, and I got rained on, and it's still. Now, granted, I was going to say hair, that is very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I think my hair just naturally is this now because I do okay. it so much like it. Yeah. So I don't know what it would take to like for everybody who under could uh, you know visualize my hair. It's very Bart Simpson esque, um, very standing up, but with a little bit more texture and style. But I don't think I could flatten it. I don't know if it would flatten anymore. Wow. I got to say, I, you know, I noticed it right away. I love it. And we're talking about shows, um, you know, earlier. And then uh, I'm going to segue into that right now and hair. Um, I have the Pauly Walnuts going on now. I dyed my hair for a television set in, in which because I have the grays on each side, right. like Pauly so Walnuts some, from I'm Sopranos. Short. Yep. So I had the gray. I'm sorry. I dyed my grays to. Um, you know, uh, fit the role. And it's one of those things. And then I try to grow my hair out nowadays and I get so much grays, man. It's all great. It's very, I feel very Jean-Luc Picard minus the balding. It it just all gets gray all in sort of the around sort of my, you know, not the crown of my head, but all on the sides in, in the back of my head, my barber shaves it. And I'm just, I'm sitting at them like, guys, this is ridiculous, right? He's like, no, it's good. It's all good. I'm like, just short, cut it short. Let, let, let's talk about television shows. Uh, obviously, some of my favorite television shows are uh, Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, Oz. Um, I liked Vinyl a lot. That was a good show. Um, Kids in the Hall, comedy. I like that one a lot. Uh, what, what are some of your favorite shows? I, I 
I have a I have a top I think a top ten. I, I have to go with Buffy the Vamp Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my defining defining show for many reasons. I'll go with Buffy. I love shows like House, Veronica Mars. There's a show called um, Saving Grace that a lot of people don't talk about with Holly Hunter. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It only went three seasons. It was magical. She's amazing, first of all. Um, but it was amazing. And it's on the tail of the Oklahoma City bombings. So it, it kind of spins off that tragedy and what happened there. It's all fiction. Um, United States of Tara, have you seen that? No, I have not seen that. Tell us United about that. United States of Tara is about a woman. I'm trying to remember uh, her name right now. I can't write at the moment. She has multiple personalities. I understand there might be a different terminology for that. She has many personalities. And in the show, she decides she's going to go. She has a family, a husband and kids. She can go off all her meds. And they're just going to have to handle her personalities because she wants to get to the root of every, everything. And he's like, I'm not going to get to it unless I just handle it. So she has a guy, she had like a, a guy that goes out and sleeps with other girls, but she's married, but it's a whole different personality. She has a teenage girl. She has a kid, all of the, and it, and I find it fascinating. Number one, she's an amazing actress, but number two, this notion about not medicating ourselves about taking away all of those crutches, stripping all of it down that we use to cover and patch and limit um, ways in which we're going to like actually see ourselves and heal ourselves and understand ourselves. I feel like it was way ahead of its time because it was done, you know, I don't know how many years ago now, but. Sounds ridiculously interesting to be honest <laughs> with you. And, and what network puts that out? It was Showtime did it. So okay, Show Showtime, yeah. And it's Tony Collette. Right, Tony Collette. Okay. You can see her. Yep. Just like, just like amazing. So I'm assuming it show. I haven't seen it actually on like a streaming platform lately, but it was amazing. But I'm I'm a big Buffy fan. Um, House, I like. I have a soft spot for Grey's. Grey's Anatomy. I can't. I just okay. So all right, here we go. We got to talk about it. All right. Whenever my wife is watching Grey's Anatomy, I could tell because she's crying. It's serious. Crying. Look, it is serious. It is. The shit is real. A lot. The shit is real. So, I mean, one of my buddies, Eric Roberts, who I am so thankful to consider a great friend of mine, he just did a, a an episode recently. He did a great job, um, but. My stepdaughter, who's 12 years old, watches this show. My wife, who is 40, watches this show. And I can always tell when they're watching the show. I don't watch the show much. I don't have anything against it. I just have not ever gotten into it. But when I heard my buddy was going to be on it uh, for the second time, I believe he was on it once or twice prior to maybe a third time, whatever. Um, I'm trying to remember the episode. I can't. I'm trying to remember what episode he's in. But go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah. Oh he's out there eric's out there and he does a tremendous job and great great physical acting everything about it and it's a really good show it, it and it makes me want to now watch everything and then my wife tells me she's like um yeah there's like 500 episodes 17 thing wow just start, just start going through look Woo. and the beginning seasons i mean 
look, all shows have their ebbs and flows when I feel as though they're amazing. And then I feel as though I'm like, oh, okay, well, that could have been. But, and I do think the show, and I'm going to sound a little, uh, you know, a little stereotypical. It, the show was definitely, I feel like, Shonda Rhimes has written it for women. I mean, the main character is a woman and the, and the, and the strength of these female characters, you, you see it now, but you didn't see it 17 years ago. You know, you forget how long this show has been running. And I think she did this incredible job of setting that stage. And if guys give it a go, mm -hmm. um, because it's set up as this female driven show, I, most guys who start watching go, Oh my God, no, it's a, it's amazing. And there's all of these, it's a, it's a, an amazing example of a compilation cast too, right? It's not just hanging on the shoulders of a couple of characters. I, I love I the point you're making is that if you look at the rise of Skywalker, Ray um, being a badass, I thought that was great. Uh, if you look at Cobra Kai, great television show. That show yeah. <laughs> the, the women are doing tremendous. Um, I'm actually, I'm not going to try to give too much of a spoiler alert here, but um, I am writing a screenplay for a martial arts film and um, the main character and the hero will be a woman. And oh, um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it makes perfect sense for the storyline. And, and uh, my wife was actually the, uh, the person to suggest that. And I didn't see that. Not, not that I have anything against it. I didn't see it. And then, Next thing I knew, I was like, wow, this makes fucking perfect sense right now, yeah, you know, yeah, and I, I think that's great that the, the ladies are getting a push. And uh, so we're, we're talking about film. We're talking about movies. Um, do you have a favorite movie? What, what are some of your favorite films? Hands down. Jaws. Made me afraid of the ocean for 20 years. And now I'm fascinated by it. So it really has is controlled and manipulated my life for a very long period of time. Um, I'm a big Aliens fan. Gotta love Sigourney Weaver, um, Indiana Jones. Uh, I love all of them. The Crystal Skull. But we'll just put that aside for a second. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge horror fan. So, and I love. The, the worse the movie, like the more B slasher, the more that I'm drawn to it. So I, and you, you were around my age. We grew up on Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, right? And, and then the lesser ones like Sleepaway Camp and stuff like that. And these, this mythology around it. And I love the dialectic around it. I love the social commentary around it. I love how it reflects how messed up society really was. <laughs> And what we talked about and what we, how we, we then used it and manipulated it and spun it into horror movies. Um, I, I think that that's a really interesting, I mean, I like being scared in all fairness. Uh, I've never been able to watch, the only horror, a lot of people ask me, what can I watch? Like, what have I never watched? Like, I love The Exorcist. I'm not a big poltergeisty. They don't scare me as much, but The Exorcist did. But the one movie I couldn't watch all the way through was Human Centipede. I don't know what happens in the last half of that movie. Like I watched the first 40 and I'm not going to describe it. I don't think we need to describe it for anybody guys. It, it's the, the worst you could pot. But the first 40 minutes. And then I'm like, I had to shut it off. It's the only movie I've shut off. I'm like, what could possibly happen after? 
right? I still haven't watched it all. And they made three of them. There was a couple. My uh, wife, uh, she loves horror movies. Maybe watch Hills Have Eyes. Oh, God. Amazing. Oh, shit. I haven't watched part two. I have part two. I can't put it on. I had the showrunner of uh, part two on um, on an interview, and he was absolutely amazing. And he wanted to break my balls, to be honest with you, about how horrible it was for me to inject. You know, I, I think it's a great film. He did a great yeah. job. Did a great yeah. job. Wonderful. But he knew that I'm a bitch <laughs> when it comes to these things. <laughs> so... I was like, he's like, what'd you think? I'm like, um, are you, I'm like, are you okay, brother? Like, is everything okay up here? Because it was crazy, but it was very good. It was a very good film. Yeah, absolutely. And then I like the spinoffs. I like the movies like Scream that really sort of like in a, in a joking fashion, pick apart how, and why these lessons are taught and the urban legends surrounding them and the cultural ramifications and this, the sexist banter and the racist banter and all of that. I find them great representa- representations of a culture at the time, to be honest, more than anything else. Because everything else is trying to fake something in sometimes, right? They're trying to be a little bit this or a little bit that or a pe- whereas horror movies, I don't know. I don't feel like they're trying to fake anything. They're just trying to figure out what's true today, what scares the crap out of you today, and why. And that's such so pure, you know. So, what about you? Have you thought? Have you considered acting at all? Um, it's funny. I used to be terrified of it. So when I was a kid, I remember taking every in grade nine. We're like, go take drama, and I stood in drama, and they asked me to be a tree. And I I had to leave. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I know I look like an idiot doing it. And my lack of self-confidence and and assuredness and all that stuff, you don't have in grade nine, but obviously some kids had it. I just, it, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. And it, and it's upsetting because I'm like, as I come into it, I feel like coming into my own oddly at 45, I'm like, I I think I'd like to give it a go. I really I think I would like to give it a go. I just don't know the how and the why and the, you know what I mean? I mean, well, I'm zero uh, training. I, I'm, I'm going to say, please do, because you have a very uh, amazing presence to you. You're very engaging. You're very um, excellent at uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, you're, you're someone that definitely, um, I'm going to say, should get involved in that scenario I mean whether you see it or not and I think I think you have to understand internally that you do have that you know facet inside you um you're 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 an engaging personality I've done many shows I'm not trying to brag about anything I I've met many people over the past uh couple years and you are certainly among the most charismatic that I have met Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I often wonder, though, because people will say that, and that's amazing, and I'm very thankful. You're making me blush over here. But um, uh, I, that acting to me is just such a thing external to that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like uh, when I talk to you and the way I talk to you, I'm always me. 
You know what I'm saying? I, but the notion of, of putting me aside and then being somebody else, I don't find it scary anymore, but I, I, I do find it, whoever does that and does that well, I have undying respect for it because that's a, that's a different skill set and an ability that, you know, I would like to learn, um, you know. Well, what you said there is that you like to learn and I'm not, I'm not going to educate you. I'm, I'm, I'm no brilliant actor, but if you have the willingness to do something, if you have the desire and drive, it will work. And especially if you have that personality and that look to you that you have. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. The it's the Canadian. Maybe it's a Canadian, but I, I mean, it, it, it about a bit. Do, do I have it right? I mean, let me try it. Oh, I, don't, I don't hear it the way you all hear it. How, how did you feel about South Park when they when they did that? <laughs> be, be. When, they, when they do it to that extreme, most Canadians look at each other and go, what are they? Why, why do they make the Canadians' heads like separate? <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? We just don't see it. I just don't. We say A a lot. I, I will a. talk about that. Yep. A comes out of my mouth quite a bit, probably more so than I would like. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't hear that. So I have a lot of people saying, oh, where are you from? I also pick up, this is interesting. I pick up accents quite easily, but, but by accident. So if I spend time, I, I travel all over the United States when we were allowed to actually go anywhere. Um, and as soon as I would hit the South, as soon as I would hit the South, I would have a drawl and and sometimes I'd be like, I hope nobody thinks I'm in it like purposefully because it just it just happens. I don't even know that I'm doing it. And all of a sudden I'm doing it. And then I become a little bit more conscious of it. Um, so if I spend too much time in the States, most people think I'm from, you know, usually the southern states is usually when they they think, oh, are you from like South Carolina? Or What do you think your strongest uh, accent um is that you could do you can't ask me to do i have no idea you know i had a volleyball this is a horrible story actually it's an embarrassing story i had a volleyball <laughs> coach changed my life like he was amazing father figure everything a movie should be about this guy was amazing right played high school volleyball we did extremely well very very you know sandlot meets some sort of underdog team anyway but he stuttered so sometimes he would get ahead of himself and he would stutter don't I pick that up? So I would be talking to him. And if it would affect him, the more it affected him, I would pick it up. And I would have to stop talk. We've since, I mean, I used to joke about him with it then, but it, it was to that degree where it was his, not just the way he spoke, but the cadence of his speech. And then, and then obviously, like, how could I just start stuttering? It was like this unconscious mimicking that I would do. And I, I would just stop talking. I'm like, I have to, I, I wouldn't know I was doing it. I, I think what I have, obviously I could do Italian over here now. I could do Italian <laughs> very good over What's here What's all that now. Sopranos? Yeah, Sopranos type shit. But I have, a, I have a weird like thing I could do where I could talk like Scottish or Irish and you tell me if you think it's good. Ready? Oh, right. for fuck's sake, lad. For fuck's sake over here Scottish. now. That's Scottish. That's Scottish for That's sure. Scottish, not Irish. Scottish. Scottish. For fuck's sake. What are we talking about over here now? 
the Scottish. How do I do that so well? I, it doesn't make any sense. I think it's the swearing. It's because it, I get the curse. I think I think we get sort of a guttural <laughs> vibe when we swear, so it just comes from the soul. You don't think about it. I, I I honestly think that I think I used to want to be good at art when I was a kid too, and I was horrible because I would overthink it. And I do this thing with my kids where I'm like, my uncle, who's a great artist, would teach me how to sort of draw you know, ovals as shapes. And, and he would like do the body, right? He'd do it in a second. He'd be like, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do a body. And I'd sit there and with all of the focus and skill and determination, I would carve out an oval that would look like I had some sort of, you know, dexterity problem because it would be all shaky and it would be all ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, I can't draw an oval. And as I got older, because we don't realize this thing, we're kids, two things are true. Number one, the more you worry about making mistakes and that drives you, the worse it's going to be. And number two, it's okay to make the mistake because some of the best art in the world was an error. So let it suck. Who cares? Let it suck. <laughs> so I was literally in my 30s and I started to draw and I did it by quadrant because it's somebody taught me how to do that. And because I just wanted to be able to do that when I first started, it was horrible, but I was okay with myself for it to just suck for a while. And I, and I, we don't teach kids that, right? We don't let kids suck. We say, oh my God, you're not good at art. You're not good at math. Drop it. Don't do it anymore. Do, do the things you're good at. And we never let us just suck at something so we can actually get better at it. And it rounds out who we are, you know, like I don't, musical taste aside, I think sometimes the mountain's too heavy to climb. Like I, it's, I don't have the ear for it. Right. But, you know, I think making, and I'm making is a strong word, but getting kids to do stuff they suck at and be okay with it, you know, just be okay with not being great, be okay with being bad, but find enjoyment in it. And eventually you will find pieces. I've become art artistic in ways that that fills you in a different way than math class or science class or a relationship will or whatever. You are giving me goosebumps right now as a motivator, as an educator, as an amazing person, as someone that is proactive and progressive thinking out there in this crazy universe that we live in and I cannot thank you enough for your time and how amazing you are. And please let our listeners know how they can follow you and uh, get some of your wisdom. Uh, well, I have a TikTok at unlearn16. My Instagram is of the same unlearn16. I will have a website up hopefully soon. I would like to give a go at this podcast thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like the idea. I would, this has been an amazing hour. I would love to come back anytime, anytime you need to fill a spot and you call me at six and say, can you come on at seven? Listen, you I'm are here. welcome anytime. Like well, you are absolutely you. wonderful. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you, you know, having me on at such short notice and, and giving me a, giving me a try. Cause you don't even, you know, we've just met. So I really appreciate that. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, you know, um, I, I think that, that life uh, has a funny way of introducing people, brothers and sisters from different mothers and fathers uh, 
to each other's universe and everything happens for a reason. And I have to say this right now. I am so satisfied with what you brought to the table today and everything that you shared. And uh, you, you are such an influence to not only myself, but also to my listeners. Trust me on that. 